time is flying. It is 5 to 12, so I'm up a little late. Um, so let's go for it, shall we? Do you know how many photos exist in the world? Printed photos, photos on phones, maybe just on Stuart Eggleston's phone there's going to be a number, photos online, on social media. Our society is obsessed with making images of ourselves. Photography is relatively modern in terms of global history, yet it has exploded in the digital age. Here is one of the first photographs that features a person. They're very, very tiny, getting a shoe shine down on the street there. Uh, Boulevard du Temple in 1838. I found an article from 2015 that estimated people were uploading 1.8 billion images a day. That equates to 657 billion images a year, and it will now be significantly higher than that, like I would think much, much higher than that. My brain can't, my, I've got quite a small brain, can't quite comprehend how big a number that might be. Now, when I left school, uh, I did an art foundation year, and I learned about photography and how to use a darkroom. Some of you may have done the same. Developing negatives on a spool in a darkroom, then printing images on photographic paper, using an enlarger, and developing solution. Very different from just taking a snap on your phone. But it's the same principle of capturing an image. Today, I want to speak about the image of God. Let me explain why. At the start of this year, I went for a walk on my own. As you, as you would know, that would be a regular habit of mine to talk and walk and, and pray. And it was fairly wet, and I was going through a gate, and I trod on a log, and my foot went, and I went down, bang, on my hip, Ow, it hurt. Sympathy, please. Thanks. Um, but it was like God grabbed my attention. It was like, you know, just going along and bang, God got my attention. And I felt him speak to me about how he wants us to develop in his image. Not so much in appearance, but in our character and behavior becoming more like Jesus. You may be here today and you don't even believe in God or you would find it hard to believe that God could ever be interested in you, let alone change your life. Or you may believe in God and want to change but not really believe that it can happen. Maybe you've lost hope thinking, I really want to live my life this way but I keep messing up. I know I've had times where I've thought, I'm such a rubbish Christian. Am I ever going to make any progress? That's especially true if you compare yourself to other people because there'll always be someone else who's further ahead of you in some regard or other. But God has a plan to develop you into the likeness of Jesus. 
We're going to look today at a few verses from the book of Romans. Romans was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to believers in Rome, funnily enough. Paul was a leader and church planter in the first century and helped to start churches all across the Mediterranean. In Romans chapter 8, Paul has been writing that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that believers have received the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God is bringing about new life in them and changing them. And we're going to pick it up from Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Romans is Paul's explanation of the gospel, that we are saved by grace, the free, undeserved gift of God, through faith, trusting in what Jesus accomplished for us through the cross. And we were particularly celebrating that during our worship. That's what we believe. When we think about the image of God, it can seem like an unusual idea. The Bible begins with the story of creation and Adam and Eve being made in the image of God, the first two image bearers. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I believe God created you, and you are made in his image. You're not an accident. You didn't come about by chance. God made you. Think about the kind of photos that you take. I bet a significant proportion of the photos on your phone are of people that you love, of loved ones. We capture images of the ones we love. Photos are so precious that you hear of people who are escaping from a house fire, but they grab a photo in a frame of someone they love, maybe a loved one who they've lost. Not money, not jewelry, but an image of someone precious to them. And that's how God sees you, a precious image to be treasured and saved at all costs. So we have a head start in reflecting God's image because we're all made in that image. Whatever you believe, however you feel, no matter what you think, and you have value because you're made in his image. Wayne Grudem writes, every single human being, no matter how much the image of God is marred by sin, illness, or weakness, or age, or any other disability, still has the status of being in God's image, and therefore must be treated with the dignity and respect that is due to God's image bearer. 
this has profound implications for our conduct towards others. It means that people of every race deserve equal dignity and rights. That should affect how we treat other people, no matter how damaged or even how difficult they are. They deserve to be treated with dignity. And that extends to our view and treatment of unborn babies, the elderly, or our views about gender. Adam and Eve, those first image bearers, rebelled against God. And we, in our own way, have all rebelled against God. And so that image of God in us has been broken. Broken by our rejection of God, thinking that we know better. Broken by the things that we've done that we know to be wrong, and broken by the wrong things people may have done to us. But in Christ, that image is being restored. You were made to become like Jesus. In verse 29, Paul says, we were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Jesus himself is the image of God. In Colossians 1.15, Paul also writes, he, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Or the message puts it like this. We look at this son and we see the God who cannot be seen. We're made in the image of God, each one unique but bearing his likeness. You're not meant to become like another human being. We're not meant to all become like Cheryl Cottingham or like Jason Cave, wonderful though they are. However much you admire someone or even idolize them, no, you're meant to become like Jesus. So what does it mean to be transformed into his likeness? Well, as I said, it's not a physical resemblance, but it's lives that produce the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus is the embodiment of all those things. He is the most perfect, beautiful, kind, loving, forgiving, wise, merciful person who's ever lived. He perfectly mirrors God. He is God himself, part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus, he's the most compelling person in the universe. I would advise you to get to know him and find out what you think about him. One of the best ways you can get to know him is by reading one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Or you can go on Alpha, that starts this week. Better still, do both. Read a gospel and go on Alpha. The point is, God's design is to develop you into the likeness of Jesus. But why would you want that? Well, just like we can aspire to greatness, you know, great character like Nelson Mandela or Mother Teresa, we can become more and more like this incredible person, Jesus, that I've just talked about. So how 
on earth does that work? Well, uh, I want to take you back to my art foundation year and that analogy of developing a photograph in the darkroom. I think it can help us. When you take a photo on a manual camera, I know some of you have never done that. You don't understand the idea of putting film in a camera, but uh, it, it used to happen in the dark ages. The image is captured on the film as it's exposed to the light from the image that falls on the film. And in the darkroom, you develop the film as a negative. You then put the negative in the enlarger, and you focus the image using a light on the board, and then you expose the paper for the right amount of time. Then it's like this magical thing. You put the paper in the developing solution. There I appear. You put the paper in the solution, and you wait for the image to appear. But this is a very slow process, a bit like this. It's gradually appearing, and it requires patience. That is an analogy of what is going on in your life. The image of God, the likeness of Jesus, not the likeness of me, is gradually appearing. Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. Or the NIV says, the exact representation of his being. Or the message says, this son perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. So the first point is, God is developing you into the likeness of Jesus because he chose you. Look at the verses we read in Romans. Those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And if you just take that word for new, well, the Hebrew word for know had the sense of not just knowing knowledge, but of a personal relationship, knowing and loving a person. It's effectively like saying, those I love from the start, I predestined. And verse 30 of Romans says, those he predestined, he also called. He chose you. He is committed to you. He hasn't made a mistake. It's not like, well, I couldn't find anyone decent, so I suppose I'll take this lot. No, he chose you. And what he has started, that process of his image appearing in you, what he started, he will finish. Don't get hung up on words like predestination and God's sovereignty. Has he chosen me or not? Is it unfair that he chooses some and not others? 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, the Lord is patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So our job is to tell as many people as possible about Jesus and help them to believe. But then we leave the rest to God. What's true for believers is that they are predestined. The destination is set. He is developing you. How you get there 
might vary. Life will go through some different twists and turns. Even the pace might be different for different people, but the outcome will not change. You can cooperate with God, or you can hinder the process, but it won't change the outcome if you've put your faith in Jesus. So, do you believe? Do you believe in Christ's saving work? And do you believe that you're becoming like him? Our vision that Andy shared last week is a picture of what Jesus has done for us. He has reached out to us and extended grace. He's restoring the image of God in us, and he provides all the resources we need to be transformed. John Stott says, in the simplest possible terms, God's eternal purpose for his people is that we should become like Jesus. You're not meant to stay the same. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't look like you did a few years ago. You should be more like Jesus. What areas of your life or what aspects of your character is God highlighting that he wants to work on? Well, it's the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit that brings about transformation in our lives. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God's Spirit transforms us into the same image as Jesus. But how does this transformation happen? Well, the Holy Spirit encourages, guides, and strengthens us. He convicts us where we're wrong and reveals God's truth in our hearts. I felt as I was preparing that it's like some of you have pressed the pause button in your life, saying, that's enough. I want all the benefits of knowing Jesus, of receiving forgiveness, but I don't want to follow him. I don't want to become more like him and do the things that he did. For some of you today, God wants to fill you with his spirit and change you to restart the process of transformation that he began in your life. I know for me, some of the most significant change in my life has come about through significant encounters with the Holy Spirit. I've had an increased sense of God's holiness, of his heart for me, and his word has come to life within me. And I've also grown through challenging circumstances. Verse 28 says, God works in all things for our good. If you've given your life to Jesus, then believe that God is developing you into the likeness of Jesus for your good. We need to embrace that process. Trials are never good at the time. Have you noticed that? It's never like, yay, I'm having a really tough time at the moment. 
they're, they're always not good news, but we can learn a huge amount. Several years ago in London, uh, we moved to another church to adopt it and lead it as a site of the church that we'd previously been part of. It meant adopting a church of about 100 people uh, that had been through some challenges, it was fair to say, and also uh, it was myself and another pastor who were going to work together. Well, he went into kidney failure just before we launched and was basically repeatedly unwell for a year. So that first year was one of the most challenging years of my life, uh, working almost entirely on my own. And yet I learned so much. I learned about myself. I learned about friendship. I learned about people. I learned about God. I learned about faith. And I learned about prayer. God is doing the painstaking work to make you like him. But it's also important how we respond to that process. We can hinder our development or we can cooperate. God can use the difficult things in our lives as well as the good to help develop the image of Jesus. We don't necessarily see the whole picture, but God is working for our ultimate good. Some of you have been through terrible ordeals. You might feel like you're in a dark place even today or that what you're going through just goes unnoticed by other people or by God. But God sees you, and he sees what you're going through, and he does some of his best work in the dark times. We can feel like nothing's happening, like we're just on pause, but God's moving. He's working behind the scenes to produce the likeness of Jesus in you. I'm going to do something slightly unusual and just pause in my message because I felt like God say something else to me this morning. I sense God say to me, there's someone here who maybe in your past, you've had your photo or like a family photo torn up or cut up in front of you and that that was very traumatic. It was like someone kind of saying the relationship's over. And I, I felt like God wants to set you free from that today, from that pain. Um, and so if, as I'm talking about photos and the image of God and, and precious images and loved ones, I felt like that might be for someone here today. So if that's you, uh, and it may be several people here, um, and it, if it's one of those, oh, that might be me, I'm not sure, well, we'd love to pray for you uh, later on this morning. We can cooperate with God and develop best by being in community with other people. Put yourself in the best environment, like that photographic paper in the solution, the, the image is appearing. Put yourself in the best environment for you to flourish. If you're serious about following Jesus, and you haven't signed up for a connect group this term, do it today. 
Not because it's the deadline, but because it's going to be the best thing for you and for your growth and your development. Or you might want to sign up to serve. Serving is a great way to grow in our faith and be developed. Or you might want to receive prayer. But I'd encourage you, don't come forward later for prayer. Prayer, just I can keep the same, like keep my life on pause to avoid what God wants to do in my life. Receive prayer to help you embrace what God is doing, to, to be able to embrace God's activity in your life. Position yourself to receive from God, to enjoy his presence, fully opening yourself up to his activity in your life and trusting what he's doing. When things are difficult, we can say, God, please help me learn lessons during this season. That's how we embrace the process. And this all has a trajectory. In verse 30, it says, we're predestined, we're called, we're justified, and we're glorified. That's the final thing. God is developing you into the likeness of Jesus so that God is glorified. We become what we cherish. We become like what we worship. If you idolize wealth and success, you may very well become wealthy and successful, but you will probably be consumed by those things as well. If you glory in God, you will become like him. The priorities of God's heart will become your priorities. His passions will become your passions. A passion for people, a passion for grace, a passion for the church, a passion for justice. To be conformed into the image of God's Son is to be glorified. It's to become like Him in His glory. That fact of us being glorified is so certain, Paul writes it in the past tense. He says, we were predestined, we were called, but he also says, we were glorified. Isn't that crazy? Paul is so sure that he puts it in the past tense. So you may have noticed, especially some of us, our, our bodies are getting older and weaker and more feeble, less fashionable. Um, but we're being transformed day by day from within. The transformation process begins here and now in our character and our conduct through the work of the Holy Spirit. But we won't be completely like Jesus until he comes again. And the purpose of all of this is that Jesus might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. That's verse 29. The first of a whole family of believers. The first image of God producing many millions, many billions of images of God. And as we glory in Him, He's more glorified. More people glorifying God, reflecting His glory, and themselves being glorified. You may be thinking, is God some kind of megalomaniac who's only interested in His glory? What does His glory look like? It looks like sacrificial love. 
It looks like sending his only son to die for us. Jesus' earthly image was broken for us. The perfect image of God, broken and marred beyond recognition by the weight of humanity's sin and the outpouring of God's wrath against that sin. Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished, that his work was done to make those who put their faith in him justified, made right before a holy God. But he hasn't finished with you yet. He was broken so that you could be made whole and have the image of God fully restored in you. And as that image emerges in us, we will increasingly love and serve other people. It says in Acts chapter 11 uh, in the church in Antioch that the disciples there were first called Christians. Christians means little Christs. It means uh, hundreds, thousands, millions, billions of little Jesuses. That's what God is wanting to produce in us so that we can have an impact. Imagine what this church would look like if we all embraced the work of God's Spirit in our lives and became more like Jesus this year. Imagine the difference it would make in your workplace if you understood you're a precious image of God and if that image grew clearer and stronger every day. Imagine if the hundreds and thousands of images of God across this city started to be restored. Images of broken, imagine if broken lives were restored. If people understood that they're made in the image of God. That parents understood that their children are precious and valuable. If relationships would change because people understood that the other person is precious, that they're beautiful in God's sight because they're made in his image. My son Joseph, who's five, recently asked me one of those annoying questions children ask. Daddy, why can't we see Jesus? Uh, so I said, Jesus is in heaven, but he lives in us. That was my best short answer. How will people in Bristol see Jesus? They will see him in you because his likeness is being formed in you. Then they can get to know Jesus through his word. They can encounter and experience Jesus for themselves by his spirit. That's the kind of people that we want to be, a people becoming like Jesus so that other people can meet him. And how can we help Bristol believe? By us believing God and believing that his plan for us is that we will become like Jesus. He's totally committed to do it, and he will do it. I want to finish with a true story about John Newton, who was a slave trader. He was born in 1725, and he lost his mother at just seven years old. At 18, he was press-ganged into joining the Royal Navy, but he tried to desert and run away, and he was captured and flogged nearly a hundred times. 
After that, he contemplated murdering the ship's captain who had meted out that punishment and then uh, committing suicide. But he uh, slowly recovered and eventually he became a captain himself of a slave ship trading in human beings. Along the way, he began reading the Bible and a long process of putting his faith in Jesus began. He retired from sailing after a severe stroke, and after seven years of trying, he made numerous applications to different denominations, but after seven years, he became a Church of England priest. He later became a priest in London, and 34 years after retiring from the slave trade, he joined the likes of William Wilberforce in speaking out against the slave trade and campaigning for abolition. John Newton, years earlier, had started writing hymns like Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken in his first parish, and he wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. It was written to illustrate a sermon on New Year's Day of 1773. It was relatively unknown in England, but it became an anthem of the Great Awakening in America. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. One biographer of John Newton estimates that that song is sung 10 million times every year. The image of God was very slow to appear in John Newton. Some of us can relate to that. And yet, his influence and legacy continues to this day because despite all the challenges he faced and the sins he committed, he embraced the work of God in his life and he continues to glorify God through his songs and be a blessing to others. It's hard for us to imagine anyone further from the image of God than John Newton, the slave trader. And yet, he became John Newton, the pastor, the campaigner, the writer of one of the greatest hymns ever written. That is the kind of story that God writes by his grace. He's writing that story in your life. Don't underestimate what God wants to do in you. This could be a year of remarkable breakthrough for you or for us as a church. It could be a year of incredible blessing or it may be a year of awful challenges. But let's resolve to meet whichever of those it is with equal faith that God is working it all for our good that he's developing us into the likeness of Jesus for his glory and to bless the people around us. Can we stand together? And I'm just going to pray. Lord, we thank you so much that every person here and every person we know is made in your image and that we have value, that we are precious, 
that we are treasured and cherished because we're made in your image. And I thank you, Lord, by faith, your image is appearing in us. Lord, I ask you for the gift of faith, for those of us who are afraid that we'll never get there, who have maybe lost hope. God, I ask you for the gift of faith. And right now, Holy Spirit, won't you come? Won't you come? Help us to believe. Help us to believe you, Lord, that your glorious image is appearing in us, that we are becoming more like you, Lord. And give us eyes of faith to look at other people and see, the, see your image in them. Lord, I thank you. You're about a glorious work of changing us and transforming our lives. Lord, help us to cooperate with all that you're doing in us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.